All right, you guys can go ahead. If you guys would do me a favor, um, open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Sorry. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible or own a Bible, there is a Bible in the pew back in front of you. That is our gift to you. If you, you don't own one, you can have the one here at the chapel. We study God's Word um, and we love God's Word. Um, if you do have the pew Bible in front of you, you could turn to page 1016. The title of today's sermon is To Serve. It's quite easy. Here, here You guys want to know the punchline? I mean, it's fairly easy. Serve. I mean, we, we can... I mean, if you guys want, I can preach for another hour and I'll judge it up. But I mean, the, the call is just to, um, to serve. Um, if you haven't been with us for a while or you've been in and out, um, we're in a short series um, called The Rhythms of the Church. And essentially what we've said, um, we've looked through scripture and we said they are rhythms, they are habits that we have seen historically since the inception of the church. In fact, we see it in the Old Testament, but more prevalently, we see it in the New Testament. And, and, and the first rhythm we see is to know God, to have a deep relationship with God, right? And a, a relationship that's just not words that we read, a relationship that connects us with the living God, right? It's, it's a relationship in which you find yourself satisfied in it, and at the same time, you're hungry and thirsty for more because, because there's so much of him that you want to no. So, so that's the most important and primary rhythm you can ever have in your life is to know God. And we do that through prayer. We do that through the reading of the word. But it's to connect you to the person of Jesus, right? We, we often struggle with temptation and sin is because we often fail to connect with God in ways that influence our hearts and our minds and our behavior. But if we, if we apart from studying God's word, connected with him, we can fight temptation. We can be how God designed us to be. The second week, last week, we talked about what does it look like to love in community. God did not design us. Look at me. God did not design us to be, to be isolated. The American culture and the American dream will tell you that individualism is what's best for you. That what's best for you is, is to focus and think about you, your personality, your skills, what you can do, and then you use everybody in your life to influence what's good for you. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, right, like that we are to live in community. This, and I said this last week, like this is my biggest struggle with, with the pandemic because the pandemic taught us that it is okay for us to live in isolation. And it's not okay for us to live in community. And I don't know where you stand on that, but like, let me tell you something. For the people who were isolated, it was difficult. That, you know why it was difficult? You know why it was difficult for so many people to live in isolation? Because we weren't designed to. That's why. Because we said to ourselves that, you know what? God's design for us is not important. We're going to do what's best for us. So we're going to live, live in isolation. That's what we said. We know better than God. That's what, exactly what we said. We know better than God. He doesn't know what's best for you. And then what happens? Look, look what we're going through. Sorry, I went on a rabbit trail. I took two minutes. Um, today, it's, it's, it's beautiful because here we're going to see, we're going to see how God has not only created us, designed us, but calls us and invites us to serve. It's a basic sermon below average, 
it's just gonna be, hey, here's why we should serve. Here's why it's important to serve. Um, and, and here's our struggle, right? Our struggle here, because, because we are so distracted, right? Like, our struggle is, we're all gonna say in our mind, I'm too busy to serve. My schedule is too full for me to serve. And, and the temptation we're gonna have to fight is to fight against the pressure of culture, the pressure of the American dream that tells us, right, that we are to be inundated with busyness. For families, it's like how many sports I can put my kid in because I might think he might be the next NFL player. So I'm gonna put him in all the sports and spend all the time and all the money so he can be the best player. I'm gonna have them in every academic program they can have, every school activity to be in because I want them to be the best, right? Like the, the struggle for parents is to, to not find their identity in their children, but to find their identity in Christ that allows them to serve, right? That's the temptation. The temptation for, for, for people who don't have families and is, is that I work too much. I have too much of a busy schedule in my week. I'm a college student and I'm busy. I have all these classes and I go to the coffee shops every single day to study and I have this exam and I can't give my time and energy to serve. That is the temptation we're all gonna face because the world told us that, right? The world has told us that. The world has told us that, that our gifting, our ability to serve is best when we do it for ourselves, within ourselves, and not in the body of Christ. Do you know, there's a statistic that came out of several years back, I don't know if it's still true, I remember it from, from school, it said 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the ministry. Think about that. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the ministry. What about the other 20%? Well, we just hire people to do it. So that's how it gets done. It's, it's a sad, it's a sad statistic. Here's why. I'm not saying that all the things that we do in our culture and our family life is bad. I'm actually saying those things are good. But they're, they're only good when they're not the ultimate good. They're only good when it's beneficial to us. But they're not good when when it becomes the thing that we focus our attention in, right? Like, it's not good when we choose that thing over the spiritual things that matter, right? Because my job and the job of our staff is always to put before you eternity, right? Like, our job is to always remind you that there are spiritual things more important than what's happening here on earth. Don't be distracted by the things that are happening on this earth. Be focused on the things that are happening in the spirit world, right? Like that Jesus is coming back one day. Jesus is saving lives. Let's continue to expand the kingdom of God, to do the work of the ministry among the citizens of God. So our job is to put before you eternity and to remind you that these distractions are only hindering you to see completely the work of the ministry and the work of the spirit in the body of Christ. That's our temptation, to be distracted, to be unproductive, to be inactive. That is our temptation. So what do we do about that? What's the remedy? What's the remedy, right? Like, here's the remedy. 
I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and 11. Here, here's the remedy to the temptation of being inactive, unproductive, or distracted. Um, here's the remedy. The remedy is, right, to know why we ought to serve. Peter is going to show us, he's actually writing to the church, why we should serve. And maybe you're sitting in the pews and you're like, uh, Tim, this sermon is not for me. I'm about to walk out. Um, because I already serve. I do this, I do that, I spend this amount of time and energy working in this ministry in the church or doing this in the community. Here's my question. Are you doing it with the right attitude? Because Peter's gonna talk about it. Right, like oftentimes we find our identity in the things that we do and we do it with the wrong attitude. What Peter's gonna say here is like, here's why you should serve and here's how you should serve. You should serve with, with joy, without grumbling. Like, serve because you're doing it for God. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I, let's pause right there. I, the reason why I love that, um, here's, what, here's what Peter's saying off the bat. This is one of those 64, I, I, about 64 verses in the New Testament that talk about one another. This is what he's saying about love that we talked about last week, right? Like he says, when you love people well, they're often more gracious and kind to you. When you love people well and you do them wrong, they're far more forgiving. That's what he's saying there. That's what he's saying. That when you love people well in the body of Christ, because they see your love for them, they're far more willing to accept an apology, to forgive you of your wrongdoing, because they know that the intention of your heart is to love and care for them. That's why he says it covers, it covers a multitude of sin. That, that, I think that's beautiful because that sets up the picture of why we should serve right, to, to love other people. Look at verse nine. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's hard to serve other people. It's hard to do that here. I know that for a fact. For every one person I make happy, two people are upset. Verse 10, as each has received a gift. We'll talk about what that is. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And he, here's a beautiful statement. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is a beautiful passage of why we ought to serve. I'm gonna give you a couple of reasons why I think Peter's talking about gifts and we'll, we'll share that in a minute. Here, here's one reason why you should serve, um, not explicitly in the passage, but this is in Ephesians chapter two. We were created to serve. God created us to serve. I'm gonna read you Ephesians chapter two. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, for those who are committed to pursuing Jesus Christ, this is what he says. I chose you before the foundations of the earth. I gave you life, spiritual life. And before then, I gave you a task. I gave you work to do. God did not create us to be lazy. 
God did not create us to be inactive. God did not create us to be unproductive. We see this in Genesis right, right off the bat. What did God do for, for Adam? He gave him a job to serve in the garden. For who? For him. That has been God's plan. And God's plan for you and me, we were created to work and serve. We were created to do good works. We were created to love one another in those good works. A second reason, right? So that sets, that's the basis, right? Uh, why should we serve? Well, because we were created to do so. We were designed to do so, right? To do, to not work, right? To not serve is to go contrary to God's design. Now, I'm not talking about people who can't. There are people who physically cannot. There are people who mentally cannot. I'm not, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who are able to give their time and energy to the service of the ministry. Those are the people who I'm talking about. Second reason why we ought to serve, why, why Peter's telling us we should serve, we see this in verse 10. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift. doesn't say some have received a gift, one of you have received the gift. The pastor, or the IDP, as they call me, interim director of preaching, he's received the gift. No, everyone has received a gift. So what does that mean? God has equipped us to serve. Everyone in this room and watching online has been given at least one gift. Some have multiple. But all of us have been equipped to serve. So, so what is this gift that he's talking about? Because you're like, wait a minute, you're talking about service, and now he's, Peter here is talking about gift. Well, Peter's referring to spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? We see this all throughout the New Testament, particularly in this passage, but also more broadly in the rest of the New Testament, particularly from, from Paul. And what does, what, does, what does spiritual gift mean? Like, what is that? And I'm gonna give you a definition, not mine, someone else's, someone a lot smarter than I am. Um, this is what a spiritual gift or what spiritual gifts are. Um, it's any talent, it's any ability which is empowered by the Spirit and enabled you to be used in the church, right? So a spiritual gift is any talent or ability which is empowered by the Holy Spirit and able to be used in the ministry of the church. Here's what a spiritual gift is not. It's not your personality. It's not something you're born with. It's not something innate. It is something that is given to you. You know, nowadays we take personality tests, right? The Enneagram stuff, that was like 2015, whatever, like um, disc profiles, um, culture index. I mean, there's a bunch of tests that you can take to figure out how you're wired. I mean, those things are great. Those are helpful. I've, I've taken a couple of them, and sometimes I'm like, well, uh, ooh, I don't want to be that. Um, but, but that's not a spiritual gift, right? You can't take a personality test. People who have spiritual gift tests you can take, eh, fine, whatever. But like, a spiritual gift is something that God has given you. And I want to help you, like, just from a biblical and a, a just more an easy way of identifying your gift. Because many people here are like, I don't know my spiritual gift. I don't know what it is. I, what are you even talking about? What, what? Okay, so it's a, an ability. I can't do nothing. I mean, maybe you're sitting there like, I, I have nothing to give. No, 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 you do. So, so let me help you at a basic level, right? 
basic level on how to discover your spiritual gift, how to figure out where you ought to be serving, right? Um, here, here's what I would say. This is, this is me. This is me. If you were sitting down in my office or at a coffee shop in which you bought me coffee and we were talking and, okay, that wasn't a joke. Um, and we were talking and you said, Tim, I, I don't know my spiritual gift. How do I figure that out? Here's what I wouldn't say. Go take a test. What I would tell you is, what, as you view yourself and the church, what are you passionate about? What are you drawn to? Like when you look at and observe like the ministries of our church and the things that are going on, like do you see details um, that are missing? Um, do you see things that, that, that you want to see happen in the church but no one else is doing it? And, and you want to like lean into that. Like wh- what are the people around you? Godly, wise, influential people you trust around you, how are they affirming you in, in your ability? What are they saying that you're gifted in, right? And also, like, what are you really good at? Like, what do you see results in your life? Like, when, when you volunteer for that event, like, what sparks in you that makes you alive or, or brings contentment and joy? Like, when you, when you serve in a small group, do you find yourself wanting to, like, learn more and teach more and speak more? Or do you, do you want to, like, host? Like, you want people to come over your house, and like you want people to feel welcomed, and you want to offer a meal or something. Like, what is it are you passionate about? What do you observe in the ministry and the life of the church that, that you see details missing, or you observe details, and you're like, I want to be a part of that? Here, I'll give you an example. In our church, um, we have many closets. This, this, this building is a monstrosity. And when I mean this building, I'm just talking about this building. There's like 10 more buildings around us that are all interwoven with hallways that don't make sense and stairs that lead to nowhere. Um, <laughs> but they are, I'm going to make this number up, but I'm pretty sure it's right. At least over 100 closets and cupboards and cabinets and rooms. Like, hundreds. There's probably at least a thousand doors in this building, right? So someone, someone has to organize those things, right? I ain't going to do it. <laughs> so some years back, there was a lady. Her name is uh, Cindy Grable. Um, she's probably watching online with Charlie. Um, she felt called. She didn't know what to do. She, she felt called from the Lord to organize the closets. All the closets. So what she does, this is her ministry at the church, and she's involved in some other things, but this is her primary ministry. You'll, you'll never see her. You're ne- unless you're here during a time in the day where you so happen to walk by her, you'll, you'll probably never see her, um, but this is her ministry. She goes into all the closets. She starts with whatever closet number one is, works all the closets in the church, organizes them. Like if you, over, if you go into one of our classrooms and you open up a cupboard, if you see like a large white tape thing with a printed label on it, that was Cindy. Or if it's yellow, it was Cindy. She has a mind where she can like look at stuff, and I'm being nice. We have a lot of stuff here. (laughs) And see all that and decide, oh, that looks fun. Let me take it all out. 
and organize it in, 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 in boxes and in containers, and then let me label it so that next time someone can use it. So start with closet one, end at closet 250, and then work her way back to closet one. And that's her ministry. That's what she does. That's what she does. That is the gift of administration. I do not have that gift, nor the patience to do that. But she, she loves doing that. Why does she love doing it? Because she's been gifted to do it. That's what point number two is, right? Point number two is, oh, excuse me. Point, yeah, point number two is that, that God, God not only created us to serve, he also equipped us to serve. He's put that desire in us. He's put the desire in our heart to see something and say, I want to be part of that. I want to be doing that. And, and if you're struggling to find your spiritual gift, you're like, I still don't know. You know what's the best way to, to figure it out too? Is by serving and figuring it out by giving up your time and energy to the ministry of the church. Because God has gifted us to do that. That's what verse 10 says. Verse 10 says, as each has received a gift. It doesn't say some. It says each has received a gift. Every single one of us has received a gift. And let me talk about some other gifts that we see. Look at Romans chapter 12. Well, they'll put it up on the screen for you. I'll read it for you. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. What are you talking about? Well, he's saying the body of Christ, meaning the church, and he's saying there are members. Who are the members? Well, he's talking about individuals. He's talking about people. And what does he mean by function? He's going to explain what function is, and he's going to say functions are spiritual gifts. Functions are the spiritual gifts that God has given us, those abilities and talents. And he says in verse 5, So we, though many, are only one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. What's the encouragement? You have a gift, use it. Your gift was not meant to be idle. Your gift was meant to be used. And what are some of the other gifts that we see? Well, this is what he says. He says, if prophecy in proportion of our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There are seven gifts that Paul is pointing on. He's encouraging us. These are what, some of the seven gifts. It's not exhaustive, but these are some of the gifts. And, and here's what I'm reminded of, right? Like, like we often think, that, that the person who has the gift of teaching and the person who has the gift of persuasion or preaching is the better gift. But that's not the case at all. In fact, it's not the primary gift or the most important gift. They're all important. And, and I think about this. Like when I think about people who are gifted to serve, I think of like the volunteers in the nursery who have the gift of mercy. I think of Deb Patea and Jill Strong who for decades, you know what they do? In the silence, you, don't, you probably don't even know who they are. They hold babies every service, and you know what they do? They love them, and they pray for them. Now, if I brought them up here, they would, they would pass out by the time they got into the hallway. They have no desire to be up here. But that's the gift of mercy, right? When I think of the kids' ministry, 
I think of like the Marolas, the Martinez, the Butlers. I think of the Schneiders who, who just love kids and want to serve them, right? I think of Derek and, and China who serve in middle school. Derek Carson who serves in middle school. Ross who serves in middle school for years. To do what? To see Christ formed in middle schoolers. And that's a hard job because they all smell. <laughs> like who, think about it, right? Like think about these, Derek Carson and Derek Brown who lead middle school, hang out with middle school boys all the time. What is that like? That is hard. I think about the high schoolers, right? I think about the Wymans, the Schaefers, the Moonies, the Suglios, who decided we want to invest in high school students and live in the drama. Live in it. <laughs> Why? Because they've been gifted to serve. That, you think that was them? You think that it was like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do? No, 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 no. It, it wasn't what they wanted to do. It's what they were gifted to do, to serve, right? Like, I think of the ushers. I think of Phil who stands at that door handing out sermon notes every single Sunday. I think about the ladies who serve in our church, who, who diligently serve in our events. I think of our deacons who go to shut-ins to offer them communion. I think of the choir who sings. Right? These are all gifts from the Lord. You think, I shouldn't say that, but like, you think I like, want to do this? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, like, to be honest with you, like, it's not that I don't want to do it. I do want to do it. But I do it not because like, it's something in me that I feel like I want self-gratification. In fact, Sundays when I stand right there, I am, there's a hum. And it hums really low because I'm nervous. And then after the service, I leave and I want to hide. I don't want to talk to anybody because it's like, oh my gosh, that was the worst sermon I've ever preached in my entire life. The, the reason why we do this is not for us. There's nothing in it for me. There's nothing in it for the people who serve. They've been gifted to serve. You know why they've been gifted to serve? Because check this out. Point number three, why you should serve. What we see in this passage overall, God invites us to serve. Many people who've decided to serve, I think of Carol Beasley. She's in this room right now. She has the gift of exhortation and sarcasm. <laughs> she does. Carol Beasley, check this out. She sends all the pastors and our staff cards on their birthdays, weekly basis. She actually sends cards to people who are not even on staff anymore. Why? You think, why do you think she does that? She has the gift of exhortation. She's operating in her gift. Because she's what? Heard the call of the Lord. What we see in this passage is an invitation that God invites us to be what? Good stewards. So when we exercise our gift, we're not exercising our ability, our talent. We're actually exercising the Spirit's ability, the Spirit's talent that he gave to us to manage. We're just managers. So when Ryan's playing on the drums, it's a talent that doesn't belong to him. He just manages that talent, and he does it well. The campus focus, small group leaders, they're managing a talent. This is not something that like 
they were born with. Because oftentimes we think that we look at other gifts and we say, oh, that gift is better. The way that person exercised that gift is much better than what I do. No, that's not the case. It's actually, it's the gift that God has given them for them to steward. He's invited them to exercise that gift. He's invited them and called them and they did what? They responded. ABS leaders who faithfully teach every single week even when they're sick, I think of Carl Johnson, sick, still serving. Because why? They heard the invitation. Point number four, why we should serve. We see it all throughout this passage. We serve because it demonstrates God's grace. It, we serve because it demonstrates God's grace. Like, think, think about this, that when you serve in our church, when, when you when you give up your time and your energy and your resources, you know what people ought to see? They ought to see not you, they see him. Why? Because you're demonstrating to them grace and mercy that God showed you by saving you. So when people see you giving up your time and energy and your productivity in the ministry that you serve, What's being demonstrated isn't you, right? Like when we look at sports and we look at some of the greatest athletes of all time, when we look at the greatest baseball team, the Yankees and Andy Pett and all those pitchers who were awesome, right? Like when we look at sport players, we often look, they're great, they're awesome, they're the GOAT. Why? Because we attribute their ability to them. But see how that's different in the church? Because in the church, we don't attribute the talents or shouldn't attribute the talents and the abilities to the person. We should attribute it to God. We should be able to say, man, that, that brother has the ability to teach. That's a demonstration of God's grace because he does not deserve to do that, but because God is rich and merciful, God has given him the ability to do that so that other people can see that God is forgiving and loving and kind. Man, that sister who, who prays like a warrior for, for children in kids' ministry, um, that, that, person, that person is demonstrating a grace that only comes from him. Which leads us to the next point, why we should serve, right? So, so to demonstrate God's grace, but, but most importantly, this is the most important part, when we serve, when we serve, we glorify God. That's the whole point. The whole point of why we give our time and energy. Right? Like, I want to live my life in such a way that when I'm at the end of my life, the final quarter, fourth quarter is down to two minutes, I'm looking back at my life and I can say that I gave it all, not for me, but for him. Like, I don't want to sing that broken record and that broken song at the end of my life that says, shoulda, coulda, woulda, man. I should have done it. If, if I was younger, I would have. Why didn't I, when I was younger, do this? I wish, I look at, right, like, I often hear that too from older people. Man, it's really hard to serve in young adult ministry or, or college ministry or, or high school ministry because they're going through a tough time. I wish I could, but I can't because... Hmm. Right, like, we're doing it for him. I want to, in my old age, one day, and look back and says, I have no regret. 
I gave it all. I'm tired and weary. I'm exhausted, I'm in pain, and I can't move, but not because I didn't do anything, but because I gave it all. Like, that's what I want people to say about me when I die. Not what I did, but that I did it for him. That when, when people say, Tim Marrero, how about that guy? They can say some other things. But, 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 but when they say, like, he gave it all. Right? Like, I've said this before, and I've heard this in a quote somewhere, but it's like, I want my life at the end, I want Satan and all his demons to be watching, counting down my last breath, hoping, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I want them to rejoice. You know why? Because I'm no longer in the fight. That's what I want to happen. But that can't happen if I'm not willing to answer the call to serve, not for me, but for him. Amen. So, so I've given you... a couple of reasons why you should serve. Maybe you are serving. You're like, I'm already doing the 10,000 things that our church needs to do. Thank you. But there's also an improper way of serving. Right? Right? The improper way of serving, we see this in this passage, but we also see it in other passages, is, is the manner in which we serve. Like, do we serve with a good attitude? Or are we serving because we've always served? We've always done this. We've done it for 50 years. I've always done it this way, and, and I've always served this way, and this is what's best because I think it's what's best. Is, is that the attitude you have in serving? Or is, the, is your attitude to give glory to God or glory to yourself? Because the temptation of sin will tell you that, that ministry and serving, right, like it's contingent on your personality. That the ministry that we do here is vital only if you're working it, only if you're doing it. Like that's the improper way of serving, to think that the ministry of God among the, in the kingdom of God, among the citizens of God, is contingent on your personality. That's not the way to serve. God doesn't need you, but God wants you. But he only wants someone who's a cheerful giver. He's only wanting someone who says, yeah, I'll answer the call, but, but I'm doing it for him. I'm not doing it for my self-promotion. I'm not doing it to be noticed. I'm not doing it right so that like the staff and the pastors can say, great job. I do it so that he can be known and I won't be known. So, so, the, so the way we ought to serve, right, is to serve with joy and unity, to love one another, to care for one another. We do it for the common good of other people and not ourselves. And I'm not preaching at you, I'm, I'm preaching, but I'm also preaching to myself because it feels, sometimes it feels good to be noticed. Sometimes it feels good that people recognize our hard work. And the, there's a good time and place for that. But that's not the main reason why we serve. The reason why we serve is for him. And the way we serve glorifies him. We serve to make him known, not ourselves known. So when we serve, observe your own heart and mind. Are you observing with joy or are you always complaining? You always have a gripe. 
You're never satisfied. You want it your way. It could be all, the only way it could be done. You refuse to invite other people to do it. You, you build barriers. I said I wasn't going to use this illustration, but I feel like I've got to use it. When I was growing up in a small Pentecostal church, in Pentecostal churches, particularly Hispanic churches, we, we had one service, and this is what we did after the service. We all had a meal. And they had, they had a schedule with all the ladies and men who would want to cook in the kitchen. And then at the end of the service, we would go down, you pay like a donation fee, and then you get a plate of food. But here was the problem that they had in the kitchen. People didn't want to serve in the kitchen. Why? Well, there seemed to be one person who always served and loved to serve. In fact, was managing the schedule. But no one wanted to serve and then they started to figure out, why didn't they want to serve? And they found out that the person who was leading the ministry had a bad attitude about it. Didn't want to serve certain people food. Yelled at people in the kitchen for the way they were cooking the food. And I know Hispanics are very particular about ingredients. But, but, but her attitude was so bad that she wasn't doing it like to be hospitable and caring, what she was doing it for self-gratification. And then she was upset that, that she wasn't being recognized for the hard effort that she was putting in while everybody else was not serving. And it's like, that's not the way to serve. She had the gift of hospitality, so to speak, but she had a bad attitude. That's a bad way to serve. Like, if you're not going to love people in our congregation, if you're not going to care for people in our congregation, don't serve. But evaluate your own heart and mind. And then when you do, if you figure out that you, you got a bad attitude, guess what? There's a gracious father who's forgiving, who says, I look over your sin. How beautiful is that? That he says, you can still serve. That's the beauty of serving God. Question to you this morning are you serving? And if you're not, why aren't you? What's the reason? And don't tell me the reason. Tell him, tell him the reason. Tell him how you're gifted and wired and why you ought not to use it. Maybe you are serving. Are you serving with the right attitude and the right mission? Let's take a moment and pray. God, we thank you so much for your word in which there's insight into your word and we thank you that you have revealed to us how you deeply care about the people of God in the kingdom of God. And Lord, as we evaluate in our, our own hearts and minds on ways to serve God, would you, would you for those who, who have not discovered their spiritual gift, for those who are still unaware of ways to serve God, would you show them, tug at their heart, reveal to them, either through godly wisdom or through, through promptings of your spirit, show them, O oh Lord, what you want them to do. And for those of us who are serving, who faithfully serve God, that we would do it with the right attitude, that we would do it for love, in love, to love. God, we ask you to do these things, not because there's anything in us, but because you are faithful, you are good, and we can trust you with these things. God, change our hearts and minds so we can look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name, and the people of God say? Amen. Listen, um, before you guys walk out, why don't you take a moment when you walk outside 
visit some of the tables. If you're not serving, why don't you go outside and just investigate? Speed dating. Find out what works for you. And if you are serving, if you have more capacity, why don't you check out some of our tables to see other ways you can serve. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you guys next week. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.